Welcome to Unhackable, a podcast with hosts Jen Wheaton and Sarah Mays. Candid and unbridled conversations about contemporary experiences like addiction, relationships, technology, and modern day spirituality, all explored through a heartfelt exchange of ideas and the alchemy of friendship. No topic is off limits, yet all are treated with care, compassion, curiosity, and courage. Alrighty. Who knew that two Aries could talk for over an hour about, about boredom? boredom? Yeah. <laughs> Shocking. Now, now we know. <laughs> Part two. Part two. Yeah. Where do we begin? So what I'm so excited about is that there's actually research into boredom being done now. Because first of all, why, is, why do I think that's important or interesting? I believe that all aspects of our humanity are interesting. And if they are go left unexplored, they can be one of the things that comes back to bite us in the ass, mm -hmm. i.e. how we become hackable, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is important. And when I realized that there's actually institutes that are completely dedicated to the study of boredom and in, um, and how that affects people and who's more prone to it and, and why it's a, that's exciting to me. Mm -hmm. I, I really enjoy that we as, as a species are willing to explore the parts of ourselves that may seem benign and yet something in us tells us that they're not. Mm -hmm. And boredom is, is definitely one of those things. And why it's worth studying is because when we understand it, we are far less prone to being hacked by it, mm -hmm. by being pulled in a direction that could lead us down a path that is so out of sync with who we genuinely are. Mm -hmm. And that's all I've ever wanted for myself and for, and for others. I mean, obviously my daughter and and the people that, that we love. And actually that brings me to the point, you know, my daughter in particular, she's a, she's an RA, a resident assistant at the university that she's attending. And she's a helper. She genuinely likes to help people and can dive into some very uncomfortable places with people and feel very much at ease in those spaces and places. And when I say at ease, I don't mean that it's, necessarily easy for her it's that it you don't see these really dramatic expressions on her face when somebody is telling them telling her about something that's really painful to them so she has this capacity to remain externally neutral anyway and yet internally while she's doing that while she's having this experience there's definitely like a, a chemical reaction, this rising of things that, that's happening within her. And these are the things that I was learning about when, when researching who is researching boredom and why. And this, oh, wow. this is one of the reasons why. Mm -hmm. And so, so she has, I can tell by the tone in her voice when she talks to me about these things, it's, it's gaining some momentum. She's needing it to be acknowledged by me that she's doing this thing. So yeah, it's, it's got some, it's got some energy behind it, this helping in this way, especially when the events that have taken place are 
are quite dramatic. And even though she can externally remain quite neutral, internally, she's, she's getting a charge. And this, now the next piece that ties into boredom is, is quite important because the other things that she needs to do while she's at school will pale in comparison to that charge. Yeah. So she's doing a fine arts degree, so there's painting and everything. Helping these other people has this big charge that cleaning her paintbrushes does not. Mm-hmm. And helping her to navigate what feels like a gap between the charge of helping and the comparatively dullness of doing what you need to do mm -hmm. to carry on to either help to shorten that chasm so it doesn't feel like so much of a leap or to build a few little bridges mm -hmm. to help her to get there. And from the research that they were doing, that capacity to engage your faculties, your senses, mm -hmm. um, sensory experience, engaging the body in coordination with or in rhythm with the mind helps to move from those place of big charges into that state of, okay, I can clean my paintbrushes without feeling like jumping out of my own skin because I'm so damn bored with it, or it doesn't feel important enough. Mm -hmm. And that's a, that's a big one that the, I'm not going to do this menial task because it doesn't feel important enough, but that sense of importance is by comparison. It's relative. It's, it's not based in reality. Yeah. And we can't convince the charged part of our brain using the charged part of our brain <laughs> that this dull thing is important. Yeah. Other faculties need to be engaged. Yeah. So that's where, you know, we started doing a little bit of exercise or the going for a walk and listen to the rhythm of, of your feet walking. And because, you know, the thing that has a charge will still con continue to try to pull. Mm -hmm. It will still try to gain momentum. Mm -hmm. and, well, and that that's very much like addiction isn't it? Oh, that uh, I, I agree. Yeah, I agree. You know, when I went into, I'll just segue a little bit please and, do. Then, yeah. and then please take it back over. But I, when you were, you were sharing about that, it really reminded me how, when I first went into recovery and I had a sponsor, um, she illuminated to me that I was starting to kind of switch my addiction to substances to helping people. Mm -hmm. And how in order to jump out of whatever I was feeling at the moment, some something negative, or maybe going back and looking at my past or examining some of these patterns or, you know, even just being uh, with myself 24 seven, you know, instead of having something alter mood alter, that that was a way for me to jump into uh, another state of being. And I didn't see it. I didn't see that me, the compulsion yeah. 
it really was a compulsion to help others. And there's lots of way, reasons and, and really great positive things that come out of helping, right? But in this regard, my desire to help people, whether it was in the program, they were newcomers to the program that were yep. really suffering or, or just try to help them with their lives was a way for me to extricate myself from my own pain, my own patterns, whatever it happened to be. And it, it really took that outsider perspective to say, now watch what you're doing here. Watch where you're becoming addicted to helping others as a way to deflect uh, from your own experiences or, or from really feeling and, and, and completing the, the feeling to the, to the end. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and again, that becoming a, somewhat of an addiction. So anyway, that, that kind of came up for me as you were talking about your daughter. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I remember that period in your life. Mm-hmm. Be- and I remember seeing those, those periods of time where that need and desire to help would start to gain so much momentum mm-hmm. that it would change your mood. Yeah. Yeah. It would hack you. It did. And extract you from those day-to-day kinds of tasks mm-hmm. that would start to almost look dull by comparison. Mm-hmm. And really, in essence, that's what addiction is. It's this addiction to changing our uh, state of being, mm-hmm. you know, and and or jumping out of... Uh, and it could sometimes even be feeling good. Absolutely. Sometimes I would jump out of wanting, you know, if I felt too good. Yeah. And and that was, I mean, that was revolutionary for me to realize that as well. Absolutely. You know, it was the extremes of feeling low, and the extremes of feeling the high, you know, and then having to moderate it or, or something in between too. So, and that's what I understand about boredom is there's multiple access points, right? Yeah. There's this higher state uh, uh, you know, people that suffer from like ADHD, yes. you know, attention deficit, hyperactive disorder, um, they they are more prone to <laughs> states of boredom yep. or feeling bored with, with the information that's being given to them, you know, whether it's in the school systems or, you know, whether they're researching something online, right, mm-hmm. all the way down to, and it, it, it's not necessarily higher, lower functioning, it's just, you know, that the, these, it, you can be approaching boredom from from many different sort of states, right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And that it's interesting because when you brought up ADHD, well, you know, my very, very dear friend is a psychiatric nurse and she's convinced that I'm ADHD. <laughs> my solution to that is, is sensory experience. Yeah. So allow the senses to be engaged while paying attention to the task that I have no desire mm-hmm. to do, mm-hmm. but understanding that the, that desire is not linked to my very being. Right. The desire is also a mental state. Yeah. It's even a chemical state. And that addiction to desire mm-hmm. is, is kind of the key to all of this, is understanding that that easily distracted part of me is constantly trying to find find the thing that I desire, find the thing that I tra- that I desire, find the thing that I try to desire. It's constantly chasing desire. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily a particular item, a particular experience, particular person, <laughs> a particular you know life outcome or goal. It's the desire itself. And 
this is not to say that there's anything wrong with desire. It's when it becomes the only thing that we're willing to engage ourselves in. Yeah. And it's the only thing that can hold our attention for any period of time. Mm -hmm. And red flag, right? Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Uh, It it truly is. Mm -hmm. And that is, I love that you said that, that red flag, that because a red flag is not something that we have to run away from. It is something that tells us that let's explore the other options that we have available so that we can possibly shift that flag to yellow. Yeah. Or even like a subtle shade of orange. <laughs> Magenta. It, yeah. It, does, it doesn't have to be like a green light in the opposite direction. Right. That's a real pivot. That's difficult oh. to do in those states of being. Absolutely. The, the full pivot is, is almost... I mean, it's gargantuan, the energy that that requires to yeah. do a 360, you know? Oh, it's it's really, really powerful. Yeah. And I, I love that you, you've brought that whole, you know, and courageously, so that whole experience um, that, that you've had in going through working a program and, and making that shift from desire for this experience to a desire to help. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And really within the confines of a recovery based program, that was actually completely acceptable Mm. because we are meant to be giving back. That's part of the service work. That's part of the spiritual connection. Right. So it was very covert for, uh, or so I thought. I love the way that your voice took on that momentum. Yeah. (laughs) Because that's become one of those indicators of this thing, not me, but this thing that Mm -hmm. I'm now seeking has gained some momentum. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what it sounds like in our head or when we're describing it to somebody else. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes we mistake that momentum for a spiritual awakening or for a heightened level of interest. And that again, that change in tone and that change in delivery is a change in the sensory experience of this thing. Mm-hmm. So now we have these little keys for being able to, to get unhacked in that. And that would be when I'm starting to describe these things in this way and I start to notice and experience a shift into it having more momentum mm-hmm. than I have sensory experience, I'm going to change the the pace at which I'm speaking. Yeah. And then just check in and see how I feel. Yes. Which I absolutely love. Yeah. And this is, I again, ties into that, that piece. I don't really want to jump out of this, but because <laughs> it's, um, but that, that piece where we're, where we're teaching and I know again, working with, with young people that as as a yoga teacher observing this, there's no part of me that will ever be able to convince a bunch of 15, 16, 17 year olds that yoga is awesome. <laughs> I am experienced enough and I'm going to dare to say humble enough to know that no matter how good of a teacher I might be, nothing about me can overcome their brain chemistry. Right. I do not have that capacity mm-hmm. to do that. Mm-hmm. And I don't have the capacity to make 
postures that I find interesting, interesting to them. But what I can do is help to make it relevant so that some part of them will start to pay attention to small details where almost everything feels like it's a tidal wave coming at them all the time mm -hmm. and where their way out of that, that tidal wave or through it, like learning how to surf it is going to be in some of those Ooh, small details. Surf it. Right. That's cool. Well, that, that is, that's the adjustment to excellence. Mm -hmm. So if that tidal wave of boredom is coming at you and let me tell you, I see, I see boredom expressed in so many ways when I'm teaching yoga to teenagers. I bet. <laughs> I bet you do. <laughs> It is, it is remarkable observing how all of a sudden a thread on somebody's hoodie is far more interesting than what I'm teaching. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I can see that some part of them is intentionally trying not to be interested in this because they're heavily identified with the idea that yoga is not interesting. Right. And therefore, if I put my interest into this, I will no longer be interesting. Hmm. And if I put my interest into this, there won't be enough interest for the things that I desire. So that brings us into that place of lack that can come up. Right. Which is pretty much everywhere. And when we're coming from a place of lack, we are so easy to hack. Mm-hmm. There's got to be a poem in there somewhere mm -hmm. or a meme, but yeah. that's when we are coming from a place of, of lack, we are susceptible to hacking mm -hmm. because somebody or something out there has knows that we feel that way mm -hmm. and will provide a glittery solution to it mm -hmm. that is delivered in a way that knows how to get into that part of the brain that stimulates desire or to stimulate the part that gets very, very close to the things that, that we desire. If we extricate ourselves from that addiction to desire, then we're not so easy, we're not so easy to hack. So what I do in those moments is, um, I, you know, I was, I think I was describing this earlier. I, I ensure that I engage the athletes in some form of movement while I'm delivering information about something that could be considered incredibly boring and uninteresting. Mm -hmm. And by keeping the body engaged and involved, I'm not telling them to be interested because if I did that, they'll run away from it. Yeah, kind of like that. Like, they'll check out. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm not going to, it's, uh, I'm not interesting if I'm paying attention to the thing that I don't find interesting. Mm -hmm. So, so, um, you know, we engage in a, in a sensory experience while the piece of information is being delivered. Yeah. It sounds manipulative. It, no, Tony <laughs> Robbins does it in all of his, you know, seven week immersive, yeah. you know, courses and things. He's got people out of their chairs. I've heard they've, they burn between three to 4,000 calories in these like crazy dance parties when he's delivering and, and, and giving all of this rapid information to them. And yeah. so that it lands so that Absolutely. it has, you know, it, it, instead of it just being a lecture. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's brilliant. Yeah. It's, it's brilliant. I mean, how, how, how do we make a 15 year old interested in the intricacies of their feet? <laughs> you can't, 
but they can be interested in how fast they can skate or how quickly they can turn on the ice. Mm -hmm. And while rolling their feet, all of a sudden the toe mount of their big toe becomes really important because it's that point that allows them to put just the right amount of pressure into an edge so they can hold that edge while some other guy is trying to knock them over mm -hmm. or some other girl is trying to knock them over mm -hmm. or try to steal the puck away from them. And all of a sudden this one point in their body becomes one of the launch pads for their success. Mm -hmm. Now, if I had gotten into anatomy and describing things in that way or whatever, it there's, they would have been lost. Yeah. So there's ways of, helping them to be unhacked from their, their tendency to almost want to be bored with what I am teaching, which over overrides that sense of lack that there's not enough interest in me for all of these subtle things while I'm paying attention to these big things. So we override that and just feed it to them a little bit at a time mm -hmm. un until they actually find a point of interest in that. And they just might go and try it the next time. I know that I can't convince them of that though. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I know that I can't. Mm -hmm. So we have all of these faculties available to us, mm -hmm. all of these resources available to us. And that's really the, you know, the essence of yoga really is to be able to tap into every resource available to us so that we can experience our, our own excellence. Beautiful. Thank you for listening in and being a witness to our conversation and our friendship. We hope it sparks in you the courage to bring to the surface your thoughts, ideas, and humanity where they can be lovingly unhacked and authentically shared. You can interact with us on the Facebook page Unhackable and with me, Jen Wheaton at Jen Wheaton Yogi Coach and me, Sarah Mays at Tarot by Sarah on Facebook and Instagram. Have a beautifully creative day.